you know, Asian Americans, we were the people that were actually banned from entering the United States. There were laws against that. And so our entry point into the U.S. and then our relationship to the church and to the Protestant faith is complicated. And so in light of that, I like to shift conversations and help Asian Americans broadly to say, what can we learn from other churches rather than how do we compare? Hey, I'm Angela. Hey, I'm Amy. Thanks for listening to Fresh Off the Vote. We're a grassroots podcast with a mission to make politics exciting and accessible. Our team is 100% self-identified Asian American Pacific Islander youth ready to make waves for the November 2020 election. We created the podcast as a home for conversations on the different key issues of the U.S. election and to discuss voter and civic engagement strategies for AAPIs by AAPIs. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today you're going to be hearing from me and Amy. We actually don't usually produce episodes, but both of us wanted to go outside of our comfort zones and make an episode about a topic that's very near to our hearts. Can I get a drum roll please? Religion! Specifically, Christianity. Angela and I both grew up in a Chinese immigrant Christian church, and that part of our identity has always been super integral when it comes to shaping how we view ourselves, others, and politics. Grappling with the question of how our personal faith fits in with how we view different social and political issues has been an arduous, ongoing, and sometimes deeply painful journey. That's why we wanted to make this episode to speak on the intersection of civic engagement and religion, specifically within our experience as Asian American Christians. Should a church be playing more or less of a role in civic engagement? And what is civic engagement really? What does that look like in practice within the Asian American Evangelical Church? We had the honor of bringing in Kathy Kong, a Korean-American Christian author, speaker, and activist to help guide us in answering these questions. So whether we like it or not, pretty much 100% of us are familiar with the concept of Christianity in our lives. Whether it's because we know someone who's Christian, we've had run-ins with it ourselves, or we hear about it on the news. One reason for that is because Christianity is so much more practiced among the American population compared to any other religion. 75% of Americans identify as Christian. By comparison, only 42% of AAPI identify as Christian. When you break down the numbers by different Asian ethnic groups, however, we see a much larger variation in ratios. Mm -hmm. Indian Americans have the lowest percentage at 18%, while Chinese, Vietnamese, and Japanese Americans are relatively the same at around 35%. Korean and Filipino Americans, though, a whopping 71 and 89%. Okay, Amy, so I think we need to clarify our words a little bit before we go too far into the episode. What exactly do we mean by Christianity? That's a really good question. Some of us might already even have a preconceived image of what a Christian looks like. Harry Potter and all his wizard friends went straight to hell for practicing witchcraft. Yay! Okay, so, three books on a desert island. Angela. The Bible. I appreciate that kind introduction, but the introduction I prefer is a little bit shorter. I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. The truth is, just like how when we say Asian American, we obviously aren't referring to just Chinese or just Japanese people. There are a ton of different groups of Christians out there. Within Christianity, there are various denominations. That's just a fancy word for groups or branches of Christianity. 
There's the mainline Protestants, historically black Protestants, Catholics, Orthodox Christians, etc., etc. But majority of U.S. Christians are either Catholic or Evangelical Protestant at 20 and 25 percent, respectively. Oh, and get this. There are denominations within denominations. So if you're an Evangelical Protestant, you might be Baptist or Lutheran or Presbyterian. And we haven't even touched upon what Christianity looks like outside the U.S. Okay, okay, we get it. Basically, we wanted to focus on a subgroup of religion that's specific enough to allow us to discuss unique trends and experiences we've observed. But just general enough to avoid getting lost in the details. With that being said, throughout our episode, we'll mainly be referring to religion as American Evangelical Christianity, which is not only the area where we've had personal experience in, but also makes up a large percent of the general U.S. population. And just as another side note, our experiences within Asian American Christianity is primarily linked to East Asian culture because that's the community we grew up in. We want our listeners to keep in mind that there is a large diaspora of Asian Americans, Christians, and Asian American Christians that we simply can't cover in one go. If you are interested in learning more, there are a bunch of resources that we'd be happy to connect you with. Religion and politics are two huge topics to tackle, much less tackle together. But we thought we should touch upon the interaction of the two before we dive into our interview. To save us all from information overload, we're going to try to break it down into two things, religion and politics, and politics and religion. So, first off, religious beliefs drive voting decisions for evangelical Christians. There is a correlation we can definitely establish. According to a survey by Barna Research in 2016, 75% of evangelicals claim that their religious beliefs have a lot of influence over their voting decision. Compare that to 30% of non-evangelicals and 15% of other faiths. And to what extent should churches be considered a political institution? No matter how much we try to separate church and state, there's an undeniable direct influence of religion within our politics. Take Joe Biden's campaign in South Carolina, for example, where African-American voters comprise up to 60% of South Carolina's Democratic electorate. His team hired a South Carolina faith outreach director in August and announced the endorsement of 100 local faith leaders in December. Biden ended up sweeping the South Carolina primaries, stealing nearly half the votes from seven other Democratic candidates. Just days ago, the press and the pundits had declared this candidacy dead. Now, thanks to all of you, the heart of the Democratic Party, we just won and we've won big because of you. Let's take a look at politics and religion. Another Pew Research survey conducted this year shows that most religious service attenders think that there is just the right amount of political discussion in sermons. A quick note that this isn't specific to evangelicals, just Christians as a whole. That then begs the question, do young people, millennials and Gen Zers, feel the same way? Are they satisfied with the amount of political discussion in sermons? Well, even though that survey doesn't break down the data by age group, other studies show that millennials are hesitant to admit they are Christians because they feel ill-equipped to handle questions about Christian beliefs pertaining to human sexuality, female reproductive rights, and more. I'm personally reminded of the story of Deshaun Tatum, who was raised in the hoods and participated in gang life until one day, he was approached by a woman who shared with him her Christian faith. After that, he set out to evangelize or preach to others about his newfound faith, determined to go where the church would not go, in jails, clubs, and rough neighborhoods. 
However, after a while, he realized that his intellectual curiosity, his passion to take his faith to the streets, and a frustration at systemic injustice in his hometown were incompatible with traditional Christianity, and he left the church to found Yeshua the Movement. Quick shout out to the book, Is Christianity the White Man's Religion?, where I pulled the story from. Also, what other things are happening beyond just political discussion and sermons that might influence how an attender interacts with politics? Do any of those things fall under the category of civic engagement? Alright, so we get that that was just a ton of questions and contextual information we threw at you. So Amy, do you think we're ready to see if our guest Kathy has any answers or insights to everything we just talked about? Yeah, let's see what she has to say. Alright, so we're here with Kathy right now. Kathy, it's really good to have you here. We're super excited to hear your thoughts for the episode today. But before we ask anything else, why don't you start out with a quick introduction to our audience members? So my name is Kathy Kong, and I'm a writer, speaker, and yoga teacher based in the north suburbs of Chicago. And my most recent book uh, was from two years ago, I believe, Raise Your Voice, Why We Stay Silent, and How to Speak Up. So as Amy and I were outlining this episode, we kept on running into the issue of trying to tackle the difference between the church's definition of civic engagement and maybe how we understand it more broadly as society. So traditionally, churches have been involved in things such as donating clothes or money or helping out with food banks and food pantries. And we're wondering what exactly is the difference between participating in your community and partaking in civic engagement. So I suspect that there are some generational differences here too. And then a particular group, an ethnic or racial group's connection to the community itself. So when I think of civic engagement, it is fairly broad. So things like an ongoing soup kitchen or an ongoing food bank would fall under that category of addressing and dealing with issues impacting that community and meeting certain needs. Civic engagement can also run the gamut of a church building serving as a voting precinct or having guest speakers who are going to come in, not necessarily on a Sunday, but maybe during the week to talk about uh, the needs of the community and ways in which individuals and the church community as a whole could be involved. So I think that there are different levels to that because traditionally immigrant um, ethnic church communities are not necessarily in a church building where the entire church community lives. So there's suburban sprawl, as well as churches that may have started in urban centers and then moved out into the suburbs as people have moved as well. So I think there is a little bit of understanding and kind of looking at, uh, particularly for Asian American Christians, are our churches rooted in the communities in which the congregation lives in? That gets a little tricky because that's not always the case. Yeah, so within civic engagement and politics, it almost entirely centers around how we deal with our community. At the same time, the church also talks about how to be a good neighbor to others and how we serve those around us. And so therefore, that line between civic engagement and community participation is often very blurred. When it comes to our understanding of civic engagement, there's two parts. One deals with the way that we interact with the community around us. The other focuses in on where we stand in said community, which really begins with engaging with our own identities. 
So growing up, me and Angela didn't really experience conversations about our identities in our own church. But then once we got into college, we became involved with parachurch ministries such as Asian American InterVarsity, or AAIV for short, who did focus more on those types of conversations. We asked Kathy, how do groups like AAIV and their work fit in with civic engagement? Parachurch ministries are technically outside, but work within and partner with the church for those who are part of a religious community. So um, where AIV fits with civic engagement is kind of that, you know, that big gray space around helping college students wrestle with and understand the many layers of what it means to be a Christian, an Asian American, college educated, and what that means when you return not only to your family, but to your church community and to eventually the community you will be working in and being involved with. So parachurch ministries uh, are not the church, work alongside of the church, um, tend to be very contextual to the campus that they are working with and the students they are working with. And so because of that, I think the level of civic engagement also really depends on the staff workers' comfort level and their own personal experience in these conversations, as well as how engaged students are going to be on how those conversations are happening on their campus. Yeah, I like the point you brought up about it also depends on the individual's ability to engage in those kinds of conversations. Because I know when I first came on campus, like I was very overwhelmed with the style of AIV on my campus because I wasn't very used to like merging like hardcore conversations about Asian American identity with my faith. And I was like, honestly, kind of turned off at first. I was like, well, this doesn't fit what I thought was um, how a Christian community could look like. like. That's not what I grew up with. But as I like grew along my Asian American identity within college, I more and more appreciated that uh, take on Christianity. And now I'm like a very big proponent to the perspective that they brought. Unfortunately, I couldn't be super involved in AIV throughout my college years because I had a conflict with another club I did. But I have very close friends within the group and I saw the value of the work that they brought. Yeah, it's definitely something that I had to grow into. And I'm sure a lot of people who weren't used to that style of church community, like they probably felt the same way too. So what about beyond paraministry churches, beyond AIV? How do different churches take action in their communities in ways that constitutes as civic engagement? Well, again, I think it depends on how individual churches and church congregations identify with the community that they are physically occupying. Uh, there are historic Asian American churches that have been in a particular space, most often in the Chinatown space or what once used to be a Japantown or, you know, a Koreatown, Little Saigon, those types of communities. If those churches, one, were able to actually get a physical space and then maintain it through gentrification and changes in the community, how engaged that church is in identifying with this the zip code and the neighborhood and maybe even the block that they are on. And so I do think that for Asian American churches, that, that can be a challenge because there is the, the driving into church and then going back to your home. And so what that could look like still is around those kind of traditional 
Um, you know, is there a soup kitchen or especially because of COVID and all of the, um, economic downturns. Is there a food bank? Do you have food distribution or as school supplies, you know, the school year kicks off? What kind of ways can a church meet the needs of a community, whether or not that is backed by a political party or a political policy? I think that one of the ways that Asian American churches have engaged the Asian American community around civic engagement is to also provide a space for cultural engagement, right? So those cultural needs are not going to be met by the broader white population and the services that are provided. And so I think one of the unique roles for Asian American churches that are still connected to the first generation is that they can meet some of those cultural needs and provide some very tangible resources for language development, cultural lessons, things like that, that um, are not going to be bridged by social services. There is a need for a cultural bridge, especially that language barrier. It's almost as if we're doing the work equipping people who might not otherwise have the resources to then go in and be a more active member of the community. Like personally, I have been a part of like teaching English or teaching citizenship classes. And I think in the traditional sense, I never would have considered that to be related to civic engagement. But now it's like pretty clear that there is that connection there, uh, even though it's not as obvious as running to the polls. Right. And at the same time, I think we need to recognize that this kind of action could have really only taken place in church because in certain communities like ours, our churches are the only place where a lot of members of the older generation can congregate in one place and have the building space to be able to like have that kind of resource. So on a more personal note, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about your experiences. How has your faith informed your civic engagement and how have you seen those two intersect? Mm. So I will say that, you know, I grew up in a first generation immigrant church and was introduced to Jesus by a white male Moody Bible Institute intern who needed to have some sort of practicum and was placed in our immigrant church to do Sunday school for the English-speaking kids who got tired of listening to their Korean-speaking parents. And so I like to tell people that I have a very complex relationship with the white evangelical church. But I will say that I tell people that my activism is shaped and informed and fueled by my faith, that I have a belief that when I pray that God's kingdom come, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven, actually means that as Christians, we are to be people working towards bringing hope and love and light and God's kingdom here on earth. Not in the sense of this should be a Christian country, but that we should be acting out of the values of Jesus. And because of that, I raised my voice. I became a U.S. citizen. I decided that I was going to get involved in local and national elections. I was going to learn about politics and public policy, in part because I think that is one avenue of change 
And I would love to see the church be a greater avenue of change. I um, think you bring up a really good point. One thing that I've heard a lot is criticism on the evangelical church about how they're good at preaching about thy will be done in heaven, but they can't exactly make that bridge between heaven and earth. Like there's not as much emphasis on earth um, because earth is where all the dirty work happens. It's where all like the pain and like the frustration and the effort has to happen. And so you kind of gloss over that and focus more on like, oh, in heaven, everything will be great. So like prepare yourself, your individual life for that ultimate goal, while not realizing that kind of skips over your life here in your communities and how that looks like in day to day life. God grants that we will be that David of truth set out against the Goliath of injustice the Goliath of neglect, the Goliath of refusing to deal with the problems, and go on with the determination to make America the truly great America that it is called to be. Historically, we've noticed that Christians of other races have been pretty bold about letting their religious convictions lead into civic engagement. For example, the black church was at the forefront of the civil rights movement in the 1960s, and oftentimes that's used as a gold standard of how churches should practice civic engagement. On the whole other end of the spectrum, you've got Westboro Baptist Church and churches involved in abortion protests, which we often want to forget about, but they also use their religious beliefs as basis for their protest. Um, I wanted to know if you had any thoughts about where Asian American churches and Asian American Christians might stand in comparison. It's hard because even the label of Asian American is a sociopolitical term. It is so challenging because as Asian Americans, our connection is not necessarily a birthplace or a single narrative, but that we share some sort of biological tie to a continent. We don't share language. We don't share a history of how our ethnic group arrived here in the U.S. But what we do share is that that term is a way of encompassing and trying to harness sociopolitical power. Um, and that's something that I think churches as a whole are reluctant to talk about, despite the fact that they hold that kind of sociopolitical power. The sociopolitical power that Kathy mentions was actually the driving factor in the creation of what we now know as Asian America and Asian American. Coined in the 1960s as a direct product of the Asian American movement, this term was used to unite and push for social and racial justice as a unified group. Kathy is absolutely right in the fact that before that, we were all isolated in our ethnic bubbles. For that reason, the concept of an Asian American church did not develop until much later. So I think where do Asian American Christians stand? I think it's hard and and I would say not necessarily there's no way to compare that. You know, Asian Americans, we were the people that were actually banned from entering the United States. There were laws against that. And so our entry point into the U.S. and then our relationship to the church and to uh, the Protestant faith is complicated. And so in light of that, I like to shift conversations and help Asian Americans broadly to say, what can we learn 
from other churches rather than how do we compare? Because I, I feel like our stories and our histories are so different. The place in which these churches and how they emerged really are so varied and what they've experienced are, is so varied, right? When I think of, about Japanese Americans and the internment, that's not something that I as a Korean American have in my church history. And so how can we learn from one another? And then how can we learn from, say, the Black church in the civil rights movement? And what are some practices to avoid or even learn from Westboro Baptist Church? You know, not as a, I affirm what they stand for and what they do, but what what are the things that they have done that are effective? Or what are some of the things that we don't want to mimic and practice ourselves? So I think there's actually a huge opportunity in which Asian American Christians can learn from history and also to do some of our own homework in understanding how did our churches come to be? What is the relationship with, you know, white missionaries who went to our motherlands? And what was that relationship? What did that look like? And how can we change that as we try to shape Asian American Christianity? The challenge is that like, even when I was an undergrad at Northwestern, I saw plenty of Asian Americans who were activists and engaged. They just weren't the Asian American Christians by and large. There were a few, but I saw a lot of activism and a lot of engagement, but it wasn't from the place of the church. When Asian American churches do step up and try their hand at more quote-unquote well-recognized methods of activism, it's usually not completely integrated into other activist groups and even sometimes doesn't land well with others. One recent example of this is a prayer march held earlier last month by the Chinese Christian Union Church in Chicago. CCUC is a historic church in Chicago's Chinatown, so when they coordinated with Asian American Christian Collaborative and the historic Black Church, Progressive Baptist Church, to stage a prayer walk to call for unity among Black and Asian communities, I, along with other Christians, saw this as a pretty favorable move forward in an effort to get Christian churches to talk about race relations. On the other hand, some progressive critics saw issue with the reluctance to directly communicate and collaborate with activist groups such as Black Lives Matter, as well as a lack of effort to center Black and Black Asian voices. I asked Kathy, what are some reasons that Asian American churches and communities choose to refrain from involving themselves in the activist portion of civic engagement? And when they do engage, it seems like they still have to hold back the reins and apply a lot of scrutiny. Well, in a lot of ways, I think that the the reluctance to collaborate or associate directly with BLM is no different for the Asian American church than it is for white church. <laughs> Right. I don't really see a whole lot of white churches jumping on the BLM train. And I think it is around the language of, oh, they are not a Christian organization. And so there is a lot of churches, whether they are Asian American or white or even black, the reluctance to affiliate with a specific organization or action that isn't specifically quote, Christian. In that respect, I want to kind of encourage Asian American Christians to say, like, stop beating up on ourselves. But let's ask questions about, well, what 
can we do? What kind of collaboration is possible? What kind of work could we do? And I think, you know, there's that separation of church and state conversation that always comes up. I mean, so even that, it was called a prayer march, right? So for those of us who are used to going to protests, that felt significantly different. And it felt not like a protest, (laughs) Right. But if that, if that is the place you're coming from, then that prayer march would have felt very strange. Right. And so there wasn't the chanting. There wasn't the, there were lots of signs. Right. So I think that that is part of the, I think, appropriate critique and the conversation that organizers of that prayer march should be having with folks who are considered maybe more progressive but also should be given some opportunity to say, hey, people are coming in, seeing and experiencing a protest. This was different, you know, so how do we, how do we welcome people who are expecting one thing, but get another? That reminds me of a conversation me and Amy had about how we noticed that within churches, it seems like they really like to separate themselves from secular movements that are going on because if it's secular, it's like we're not going to associate with it. We have to create a biblically sound version of it. And then therefore we'll restrain ourselves in participating because every action needs to be founded in biblical truths. And, and I agree. And I think that there is something around, you know, again, an, a completely separate and long conversation on what is understood as biblical truth. And what I'd love to see are some more robust conversations around political and civic engagement from a Christian perspective. Yeah, what you were talking about is actually a really perfect segue into our next question. So what is the role of a church then in engaging and creating safe spaces for discussion? and even facilitating conversations around politics and civic engagement. Because I know me and Angela never really felt that environment created for us in our own church, but is it even part of the church's responsibility to do so? I think churches, particularly churches that have a building, (laughs) have wonderful opportunities to host a variety of conversations that do not have to center themselves to bring other community leaders to talk about what uh, may be going on in the schools, on the village board, at the library. I mean, like really day-to-day conversations that can happen and could be hosted just even physically in the church. I think that conversations should also then lead to actions. And it, it doesn't have to be along party lines. This November is going to be a very interesting general election and communities are going to need poll workers and they are going to need younger poll workers who are healthy, who are multi or bilingual and can provide a friendly face that is masked and socially distanced to voters. Right. So that, that's not even promoting a party. You're actually just going to be a physical presence at the polls for those who are able to go and vote. And that's again, not something that I grew up hearing about at church, but I feel like my role when I signed up to be a poll worker was in part to be a part of my neighborhood, 
and to be a part of my community. And I do that as a Christian. I do that as a believer, that I feel like it is important to be a presence in my community that gets involved in spaces that are not necessarily comfortable for me. I'm in a predominantly white suburb. Um, I'm usually the only poll worker of color. So outside of like a particular issue or two, right, what does it mean when we say that we are voting as Christians? Like even that discussion, I think, is an important one to have. Kathy, I love this answer because bringing in what we discussed earlier in this interview, that aspect of thy will be done in heaven as it is on earth, like what does earth look like? And I think this answer provides a really good response to that. So I mentioned this earlier, I think before our interview, the book that I was reading is Christianity, the White Man's Religion, has a passage that calls for more pressure on encouraging people of color to pursue theological research and Bible commentary so that we have more diverse voices from biblical scholars to help interpret different verses. So how do you envision, if this were to hypothetically happen, hopefully in the future, how do you envision the impact of these new diverse voices on how we view civic engagement in the church? I hope it messes it up and (laughs) makes it complicated and forces and invites people to have really hard conversations about what is it that we mean when we say we are Christians who are going to vote with our Christian values. Because a lot of times when I look at that or when I have a conversation with someone who says that, they're really talking about one or two issues, maybe just one to be honest, right? The issue is often around abortion and maybe sometimes around uh, same-sex marriage. And I, I want to see people going broader than two issues because there is very limited space in the Bible that talks about those two issues especially framed in a current modern society, right? So what does that look like to have conversations not only from white theologians, but black theologians, women of color theologians from the past and current ones? I hope it makes our faith deeper and complicated and open to saying, I don't know. And so how do I approach things like civic engagement with more of an openness to saying, I'm not looking for a result on this one issue. I am looking for a result that is much broader, that communicates the love and expanse love of Jesus. And I know Amy and I can relate very much to what you just said. Like there's a lot of liberation in admitting that you don't know things, but like growing up, I don't think we felt comfortable to admit that out loud because it felt like we could be stronger, like knowing the black and white answers to seemingly black and white issues. Yeah. And just approaching things with a more open mind, not restricting yourself to think a certain way or to find a certain answer. I think that's so key. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it's funny because, right, faith is the cornerstone of it is this kind of like, I don't know, I believe, right? I have faith in something without no guarantee of the outcome because that is what faith is. So I think that that is part of what I find connects with civic engagement and then maybe getting more involved in politics is that I'm not always sure that the end result is going to turn out the way I thought. I can't let the result shift my faith so completely to say this 
system will never work? What can I do to maybe change the system so that it works better? And what are the small steps I can take? So I just wanted to end on a more forward-looking note with practical takeaways for our listeners. So it seems like the Asian American church and young Asian American Christians have a lot of potential, and it's just a matter of tapping into that. So where do you think that we could begin? Y'all need to register and vote. (laughs) You need to register and vote. You need to find out if you can register in the state in which, if you are a college student, if you um, can register to vote in the state you are attending school, and if not, register to vote where home base is, and then vote whether it's by mail-in absentee voting or you know that you're going to be home and can vote in person, you need to vote and you need to get your friends involved. I would love to see engagement and conversations. I love what I'm seeing from Asian American youth. (laughs) I feel so old Um, around using social media Right. So we all know that Facebook is for old people and even Instagram is kind of for older people. So where are your TikToks (laughs) and um, what are you learning and putting that up and sharing with people? Um, What actions are you taking that you can encourage one another to take? Um, What are some of the topics of conversation that you want to have and look at from a Christian worldview? What are those things that you are working out, the conversations that you are having, and how can us older folk learn from you? Because I feel like that's where I am doing a lot of learning, is that it's not just podcasts. I love podcasts, but what are the other ways in which uh, we can learn from one another and push each other? Just as how there's a lot of diversity among Asian Americans, there's also just as much complexity among Asian American Christians. This can be the source of a lot of frustration and friction when it feels like you want the church to be doing things differently than what you envision, especially when it comes to something like civic engagement. There's a lot of reasons for this difference in perspective. Intergenerational dynamics, divisions of evangelical Christianity, regional differences. Man, I wish we could dedicate a whole series to talking about all these factors. Yeah, it would be awesome if we could see more episodes about API Christian trends, not just from this podcast. Unfortunately, there's just not a lot of empirical data out there. Amy and I struggled a lot when trying to find API Christian-specific data, even for just this episode. That's why we wanted to give a quick shout out to the Instagram account Venn Diagram Forum. Apart from just providing a platform to discuss nuanced takes on Christianity and policy, Venn Diagram Forum is also collecting data on AAPI Christians and voting patterns right now, which is basically what this whole episode was about. So if you identify as an AAPI Christian, take a few minutes and go fill it out. Hopefully you were able to learn something today. But if you're going to leave with anything, we want to emphasize this. Community participation, which is what we're traditionally comfortable with the church doing, is part of the broader umbrella of civic engagement. But we have to be willing to push out of our comfort zone because in this day and age, community participation is almost like an easy way out. There's still so many opportunities for the Asian American church and young Asian American Christians to serve the wider community and facilitate much needed change through other avenues of civic engagement. And because of that, it's an uncomfortable conversation worth having. 
Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Fresh Off the Vote. November doesn't seem far away, but with everything going on, it doesn't hurt to get registered now and get your ballot in early. Our democracy just might depend on you. Follow us on Instagram also at Fresh Off the Vote. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. We upload every single Monday, so stay tuned. You can donate to us on Buy Me a Coffee. Any amount helps and will be greatly appreciated. This is Amy. This is Angela. And we're signing off. Thanks again, everybody.